listening to Victory Alabang Podcast. We hope this message encourages and inspires you today. Good morning, everyone. Can we just give a little hand this morning? I'd like to welcome everyone who's here on site. And for those of you who are joining us online, thank you for... Uh, you know, joining our morning uh, worship uh, service. And, uh, you know, it seems like it's a dance that we have been doing for the past two years, right? Sometimes we're here, sometimes we're not here. Now we're back here. And how many of you are feeling great this morning? How many of you can, can you just give a nod or, a, you know, okay? That's good to hear, okay? And I, I, I'm praying, I'm hoping that everybody will be in good health. And, uh, you know, it, it seems like everybody's uh, in a cheerful attitude, okay? Uh, I know that it's February. How many of you know it's a month of love? Excited ba kayo? O ako lang yun. Siguro dahil Valentine's anniversary. But anyway, so uh, there's just so, many, so many things that we can actually celebrate. And today we're actually uh, continuing with our series on uh, the series Abide. And uh, we're looking at the book of John. And uh, it seems like... Um, you know, we're going deeper and deeper in the Word of God. And I hope that you're all learning something, not just learning uh, mentally, but I hope that we are encountering the, uh, the Lord in a fresh, new way. And so, uh, last week we talked about uh, Jesus setting us free. And one of the things, or the highlights that uh, we talked about was we find true freedom as we abide in the truth. And who is the truth? Who is the truth again? Jesus is the truth. And we talked about that truth is not a concept. It's not just a belief system. It's actually a person. And when Jesus referred to, you know, and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. How many of you know that he's talking about himself? And you will know Jesus personally. And how many of you know Jesus personally? (laughs) But he knows you. He knows you personally. And I know that it's a journey for all of us to be able to come before God every single day, knowing full well that He accepts us and is excited every time He comes. Uh, we come before Him, whether in our devotion, whether you go to work, whether you go online for your school, God is with us. And today we're going to be looking at uh, the next uh, topic, which is really about Jesus being the true vine. And uh, how we will actually have much fruitfulness. Now, personally, I enjoy eating grapes. I'm not sure if you like grapes. How many of you like grapes? Okay, I love eating grapes. And uh, I remember back in 2016 when we went to South Africa for a world conference. Um, we had the opportunity to visit several vineyards in South Africa. You know, South Africa is almost like heaven on earth. You know, it's, uh, there's like a nice view of the Table Mountain, and you've got some sea on your side. And when you go inland, there's a lot of vineyards. And I'm not sure if you've seen vineyards uh, with a lot of grapes. And so we visited several vineyards, and we had the opportunity to see, uh, you know, trellis upon trellis of grapes that are low-hanging. It's almost like it's easy to pick already. But these vineyards are meant for making or producing wine. Not really a drinker of wine. Maybe some of you do drink wine, like maybe for, you know, dinner or something. But, uh, you know, one of the, fir- the first miracle that Jesus did was to convert water into wine. And so it's interesting that these vineyards, there's a way for them to grow grapes. And so that's exactly what we're going to be looking at today. Our text today will be from John chapter 15. 
And I'd like to invite everybody to go and get your Bible, whether it's a digital device or a physical Bible like mine. And once again, I love this. I'd like to invite everybody to stand with me, stand at attention as we read the Word of God together. We're going to be reading from John chapter 15, beginning in verse 1, and I decided to read until verse 17, okay? So John chapter 15, we're reading from the ESV version, Essentials of Victory, okay? ESV, okay? Uh, John chapter 15, verse 1 to verse, uh, verse 17, okay? Just follow along with me. I am the true vine. And my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself. Unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. Everybody say much fruit. We see the progression here. He will bear fruit, more fruit, and then now we see much fruit. And then it says, if anyone does not abide in me, uh, he is thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. Verse 7, if you abide in me, and my words abide in you, ask whatever. Everybody say, whatever. Hindi yung whatever. Whatever you wish. Ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. Verse 8, by this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples, as the Father has loved me. So have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. Just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. Verse 12. This is my commandment that you love one another. Look at the person beside you. Okay? Just look at that person. Okay? To love one another. As I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that one lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends. If you do what I command you, no longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends for all that I have heard from my Father I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and so your fruit should abide, so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. Let's all read this verse 17 all together. One, two, three. These things I command you so that you will love one another. This is the word of the Lord. Let's bow our heads and pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the opportunity for us to come together as a church, as a spiritual body, as brothers and sisters in your family. Thank you, Lord God, that you have brought us here together once again. Thank you for the protection. Thank you for the favor. Thank you for the love that you have for each and every one of us. Lord, I pray that we would learn to abide in you. Being the branch, you are the vine. I thank you that we will continue to bear much fruit, thus glorifying our Heavenly Father. Bless the preaching of your word. And I thank you, Holy Spirit, that you would give us divine wisdom and revelation to know you better today and to apply these things in our lives Proving ourselves to be your disciples. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody say, 
Amen and amen. You may all be seated. All right, so um, we are continuing with our journey. It seems like we've, we've gone through several statements of Jesus. You know, the Apostle John is known to be the one who actually uh, did an expose of who Jesus is uh, in the area of the I am. And there are seven I am. St. John, we're, we didn't go through each of them because that was another series before. But today we're looking at an I am statement of Jesus. And he was saying that I am the true vine. And that was the last I am statement that Jesus made before he went to the cross. Now, if you, you know, if I want to challenge each of you, and I know I want to encourage you. If you have the time to read once again through the book of John, it's a very good read because John is known to be the apostle that Jesus loved. How many of you want to be known to be the uh, disciple that Jesus loves, okay? And so we want that, and he loves us dearly. And John had this revelation of who Jesus is during that time. He was writing that Jesus is, and he was, he was talking about him, he being the bread of life. I am the bread of life. I am the light of men. I am the gate for the sheep. Remember that? I am the good shepherd. I am the resurrection and the life. He was talking about that when he was raising up Lazarus. I am the way, the truth, and the life when he was talking to Thomas. And now we're looking at I am the true vine. And the context of this particular story is that, you know, he was talking about and he was telling his disciples about his last words as he was about to go to the cross. It was the Last Supper. How many of you are familiar with the Last Supper of Jesus? We're familiar with this during Holy Week, right? That the Last Supper, it was uh, on a Thursday. Of course, you know, we're, we're celebrating that, and we're familiar with that. So he was, you know, he had uh, a time with his disciples. He was talking about him being the vine. And, you know, at the night of the Passover dinner, you know, they had, uh, you know, they had a nice meal and they, they you know, they, he encouraged them about the coming of the kingdom. And at the same time, he's going to the cross. And after dinner, they uh, actually had a group fee, okay? And they took the picture of the Last Supper, which is probably hanging on your, you know, dining table. Okay, I don't know if the, the Leonardo da Vinci uh, picture, okay? And so Jesus knew at that night that he was about to be betrayed. And he predicted that, who it was. That he was going to be arrested that night. And that he was giving his final instruction. And it was an important moment. It was an intimate moment with Jesus. And he was basically pouring out his life to him, to them, at his final hours with them. Another way out. Some of the Bible scholars are saying that, you know, they had to pass through a vineyard which is about several generations old. And it was an, an old vineyard that has been uh, a common sight for them. And Jesus directed their attention to the vineyard. And you know how it is when Jesus would teach? He would not just, you know, pull out some thought or a concept out of the air, but he would actually be very practical. And Jesus was a very practical teacher. When he was walking with them, for example, he was Pointing, you know, look at the birds, you know. They did not even, you know, have to worry because the Heavenly Father feeds them. And so at this time, the final moment, he was talking about, look at the vineyard. Guess what, guys? I am the true vine. 
And he was referring to him as the vine because if you are familiar with the prophetic, uh, the prophecy of Israel, Israel being the vine that was unfruitful and unapproved by God. But yet this is the time when Jesus is saying, guess what? Whatever it is that was unacceptable before, I am being the true vine. Now I will be doing this on behalf of the nation. And I am the one that's acceptable by the Heavenly Father. And so we see this statement once again. I am the true vine and the Father is the what? The vine dresser. Everybody say the vine dresser. The vine dresser. And so it's interesting that the ESV version used the word vine dresser instead of gardener. We're more familiar with gardeners, right? You know, we don't really use vine dresser, you know. We go to the salon and the salon is called a hairdresser. The salon, the, the, the stylist is called a hairdresser. So a vine dresser is someone that actually dresses up or, you know, fixes the vine to make it good and so that it will be productive and fruitful. And so we see here three characters uh, in this passage. I am the true vine. My father is the vine dresser. And then he said in verse 2, every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bear, bears fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. And so the three uh, characters that we see here are, number one, who is that? Jesus being the vine, uh, God the Father being the vine dresser, and us, the disciples, you and me being the branches. We're part of the story. You are a branch. Jesus is the vine. Look at the person beside you. Tell that person you are the branch. We're all branches. And how many of you are familiar of plants? About, you know, during this time of the pandemic, you know, many of you converted yourself into plantito plantita. You suddenly became professional gardeners. Just the other day, my wife asked me, you know, can, we order, can you order loam soil? Because, you know, I'm going to be fixing our garden at the back. And so I ordered like 10 packs of loam soil from our neighbor who normally delivers to us. And so, you know, we, we have this a knack now of, you know, wanting to be able to, uh, you know, try out if we are green thumbs. If we have green thumbs or we're, we're good gardeners. But the analogy or the imagery here is that as disciples of God or as disciples of Jesus, that we have to be attached to the vine. You know, it simply means that this particular imagery is talking about relationships. That unless we have a relationship with the Father or with Jesus, as He is with the Father, then we are not really walking as His disciples. So the question for us today is, is Jesus the vine that we are clinging to every single day? Is He the life? That we are drawing from. Jesus said in John chapter 10 verse 10. I have come that they may have life. And life to the full. Basically we know that Jesus is the only life source. Amen. Now how many of you own a cell phone? Please raise your hand. You own a cell phone. I think everybody 99.99% of the people I know, know own a cell phone. Whether it's a, a, you know, a smartphone or a phone or a Nokia phone. Okay, Everybody owns a handset. But how many of you have a habit of plugging your cell phone every day and charging it before you go, right? Making sure that you have enough juice so that you can actually last the whole day without recharging it. Or some of you have battery packs, okay? 
That is the power. And Jesus is in the same way. He is our life source. We need to plug into him every single day as branches. We have to attach ourselves with the vine in order for us to receive life. Where do we get our life? You know, many times we have, or we hear statements, this is the life. You know, you go to the beach, wow, what a life, this is the life. You know, yeah, it's nice, we celebrate life. You know, it's, it's good that we actually enjoy what God brings us. Nothing wrong with that. But the essence of how we live has to be found in Jesus himself. Amen. My question for us today is, are we drawing our life from Jesus every single day? You know, I'm not sure if you see this picture. There's an illustration of uh, the oldest vine in the world. According to the Guinness Book of World Record, in Hampton Court in London, uh, there is a grapevine that is about 250 years old. And it's still bearing fruit, huh? It's still alive. And this is what is known as the grapevine. I mean, you can Google it, okay? It's found in Hampton Court near London, okay? And according to uh, the information that I actually got, 250 years old, it is the largest grapevine in the world. Nothing compares to it. And it was planted sometime in 1768. Some of the branches, not the vine, the branches, some of the branches are 200 feet long. And despite the age, the vine produces several tons of grapes every year. The sweetest grapes that you can actually find in the planet can be seen here. Wow. And the purpose of the vine, and it says, it, what I see is it comes from one single mother vine. All the branches emanate from the, the same vine. And that vine basically gives the nourishment and the fruitfulness so that each branch, uh, each branch can bear much fruit. And I believe that the vitality of our spiritual life is dependent on our connection to Christ, who is the vine. I mean, look at the person beside you. I mean, or look at the family that you have. You know, for those of you who are watching, you know, the life that that person has is really dependent on our connection with Jesus himself. Amen. And the joy that you have is reflected on how much you are attached to the vine. The joy, the, you know, the hope that you have, the faith that you have. The question for us today is, are we attached to the vine? It is the vine that brings life to each of the branches. It says also in verse 2, it says, Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. Wow. And every branch that does bear fruit, what does he do with that? He prunes that it may bear more fruit. In other words, in fact, I was looking at the NIV version here. The NIV version says, Every branch that does not bear fruit, he cuts off. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes. So what happens is whether you do not bear fruit or you bear fruit, you experience cutting. Because cutting off and pruning, how many of you know, it's, it, it, you require a scissor 
to be able to cut something or prune something. But yet, I was just wondering, you know, Lord, does that mean that if we're not fruitful, you're going to take us away? Like, I seem like, chuchugiin na ba kami and take us to heaven? Does that mean that verse? It, does it mean that that verse particularly says, referring to, you know, a, a time wherein if you're not fruitful, that he's going to take you away. How many of you know that our Heavenly Father is a good father and a good gardener? And all his desire is for all of us to bring out the best in us. And you know, as I was studying this, and if you go to the Greek word of this taking away, it actually comes from the Greek word airo or airei, which means in the Greek to raise, to lift up, or to carry, or to bear. Now, as a heavenly father, a good gardener does these three things. Okay? He cuts off and he makes sure that that particular branch has the ability to bear fruit. The goal of God is for each branch, us, to bear fruit. Not that he will give up on us. How many of you know that God will never give up on you? God has not given up on us. In each and every one of us, he's a God of second chances, third chances, fourth chances, many times unlimited chances. And how many of you are grateful to God for not giving up on us and always being patient with us? Can we give the Lord a hand for that? I'm grateful to the Lord for not giving up on us and just cutting us. No, he's, make, he's making sure that we're going to be in a position of fruitfulness. And what the gardener does is normally when a branch is fallen on the ground, what the gardener does is he makes sure that that garden is actually, that branch is lifted up and placed back on the trellis. Because a branch cannot bear fruit unless it is hang on a trellis. If you're familiar with trellis, those are like the frame that supports the, the, the vine and the branches so that the fruit can actually hang there. Any branch that is on the ground will never bear fruit. So what a good father does, or a good gardener does, is Iro. He will lift up that branch and put it back on the trellis and make sure that that branch is taken care of. You know, some of us are actually going through life. Life's difficulties. Maybe some of us are condemned. And, you know, maybe because of life circumstances. Maybe because of sin. Maybe because of compromise. But yes, yet God does not and will not give up on us. He will reach out to us. And make sure that we will be put back in a position. That we will be able to be nourished again by the vine. And be restored in our fellowship with Christ. My question for us today is, will you pursue that relationship with Christ? Because God is pursuing his relationship with us. If God will never give up on us, my question is, are we going to give up on God? God will always lift you up when you're downcast. He will never give up on us. And we see that in Jesus. Jesus always lifts people up. We see that, you know, when he was... Uh, facing with uh, the adulterous woman, you know, and, and the, the people were ready to stone that woman. And he was actually saying, whoever is without sin, cast the first stone. And every one of them left. And, the, and he was talking to the woman, where are your accusers? And he said, no one, Lord, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. He was kind-hearted to the woman. 
when you are not bearing fruit because of life's troubles, Jesus will lift you up so that you can bear fruit. Amen. Can we give the Lord a hand for that? He is the vine. And we are the branches. He is also divine. We're mortal. And we need him. Just very quickly, how do we abide in the vine? When you talk about abide, abide means to be connected, to stay, to continue with our walk with God. So I'm going to talk about three words that are stay. Okay, Stay in the word. Everybody say, stay in the word. Uh, verse 3 says, already you are clean. And Jesus was talking about this, I mean, saying this to the disciples. And how many of you believe that not all of them are clean yet? But yet he was declaring that already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you. As, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you're the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. You know, I hope that that will be a rhema or a revelation for all of us. Apart from Jesus, we can do nothing. Apart from Jesus, you know, we can actually fast and pray. We can set up goals for the year, faith goals. But apart from Jesus, we can do nothing. Apart from Jesus, we cannot succeed. Apart from Jesus, we cannot do our work effectively. Apart from Jesus, we cannot be able to, uh, you know, raise up our family and provide for them and so on and so forth. Apart from God, we cannot do anything. But with God, with Jesus connected to us and us connected to Him, we can do all things. He is the vine. We are the branches. The word abide appears nine times in John chapter 15. And the word fruit appears eight times. And so you, you see the emphasis of this particular chapter in John chapter 15. That he's emphasizing on the word abide. Be connected. Stay connected. Continue your walk with God. You know, no matter what. Don't give up. You know, be firm in your belief. You know, always stand on the promise of God. And then... Another emphasis is the fruit. The main reason why God wants us to abide is because God wants us to bear fruit for His glory. Not for our own consumption. You know, God wants each and every one of us to abide. Stay in the Word. Colossians chapter 3, verse 16 says, Let the Word of God... Can we just read this out all together? One, two, three. Let the Word of Christ... Dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom. And as you sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with gratitude in your hearts to God. We're commanded to teach, to, reach in the, uh, to, to dwell in the, world rich, uh, in the word richly, to teach and admonish one another in the word. But if we don't have the word in our heart, they're starting to give. And that's why he's encouraging us, soak yourself in the word, dwell richly in the word. Part of fruit bearing in our ministry is actually ministry to others. And I believe that God will use you wherever you are, whatever you're going through. Your pains, your aches, your successes is a comfort and an encouragement to other people as well. 
You know, nowadays, um, people are getting used, I guess, to this pandemic, this Omicron. You know, before, back in the day, 2020, uh, two years ago, people have been so scared going out. Now the question is, when do I get the virus? But then we don't want to be irresponsible. We still want to go wise with it. And yet, we know that some of us have actually gotten it. And even with our experience, we're sharing it to others. That, you know, in the same way God has been faithful, God healed me. You know, he's, been, he's watched over me and he provided for my needs. And so, with that same experience, you can actually give comfort to others as well. Another thing that the Word does is the Word prunes us. Stay in the Word because that particular Word prunes us. And so we, we talked about that already. That God, the vine dresser, cuts off things in our life, making sure that we're growing and bearing fruit all at the same time. In Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, it says, For the Word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and marrow, joints, uh, soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and the attitude of our hearts. You know, left to myself, I will just do whatever I want. But yet, because of the Word of God in me, you know, God reminds me of my attitude. You know, sometimes, like recently, I have a bad attitude with, yeah, Shirley. I kind of snapped onto her, but you know, I may actually justify that I am in the right. And how many of you have gone through that experience? You know, if you're married, you know, you went through a, a passionate discussion. Not a fight. It's a passionate discussion. And then you try to justify because you have a point. And you think you're right. And you are right. Part of it, you're right. And you can justify, you know, I am 90% right and she is 90%. No, I'm 90% right and she is 90% wrong or something like that. But the reality is you're still 10% wrong. And I was reminded by God, you know, apologize. But Lord, it is not me who's, not, uh, who's at fault. But the Word of God convicts. The Word of God prunes. The Word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. You know what? If you're married, and if that spouse of yours would sometimes offend you, ipag-pray mo na lang. Lord, deal with him or her. Sana hindi siya makatulog. Sana, you know, and then, wag naman ganun, okay? But sometimes it happens. Sometimes it happens. And what we need to do is we need to just hear the voice of the Lord and the Holy Spirit because He convicts based on the Word of God in our hearts. God prunes us so that we can be more fruitful. Another thing about staying in the Word is His Word purifies us. Everybody say purifies us. You know, we don't have, sometimes we think that, you know, I don't want to go to church because I don't feel pure. The reality is, 
you don't have to be pure to come to church because the Word of God is the one that purifies us. How many of you take a bath every day? Hopefully, yeah, all of us, right? When we take a bath every day, do you take a bath because you're clean? Or do you take a bath because you feel that you are not clean? We take a bath because we're not clean, and once you get out of the bath, how many of you feel clean already? If you did it right, right? And in the same way, the Word of God purifies us, sanctifies us. In John chapter 15, verse 3, you are already clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. And Jesus himself declared it to his disciples. He knew for a fact that Peter will deny him. But he was declaring, the word of God I declare to you that sanctifies you. Each of his disciples will abandon him. Many of them. But the word of God made you clean already that I declared to you. John 17, 17 says, sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. And when we engage with the truth of God's word, that, that same truth will set us free. Psalm chapter uh, 119 verse 9 says, How can a young man keep his way pure by living according to your word? You know, it's virtually impossible for us. To have a pure heart apart from the Word of God. We need to always engage and have an encounter with the Word of God. Let's move on. How do we abide in the vine? First is stay in the Word. Second is stay connected to Jesus. Stay connected. That's it. Verse 7, it says, If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be given now, let me clarify this statement. God did not say, your wish is my command. Like a genie statement. What he is saying is, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will align yourself with my will. And then, ask whatever you wish. It will be done for you. How many of you know that many times as we read the Word of God, our mind is getting renewed day by day? It is not us trying to bend the will of God to align to our will. It's our will being aligned to God's will. Amen. If you abide in me, my words abide in you. Ask whatever you wish because when that thing happens, we suddenly realize, Lord, I cannot be selfish. I need to deny myself. Pick up my cross and follow you. And then we align ourselves with the will of God. You know, when you abide in Jesus, your will aligns with God's will. And you know how, how difficult it is to abide because to abide means to be connected. To abide means to be intimate. And so I want to go back to this statement, you know, if you abide in me and my words abide in you. This is talking about Jesus being intimate with us. And sometimes, you know, if you talk about human relationships, if there is an offense, and how many of you have been offended, don't even raise your hand anymore. I think that's all of us, right? We offend people and we get offended. I'll be honest because, you know, as a husband, I get offended. As a father, I get offended. As a friend, I get offended. As a pastor, I get offended. 
As a brother, I get offended. And so there are times that we are offended. And so what do we do with our offense? Many times when you are offended, your tendency is to avoid that person that you offended or that offended you. Can you relate with me on this? When someone has offense, the tendency is to avoid. Like I was talking to you, know, to you about my wife earlier. When we had a passionate discussion, it was an offense. My tendency personally was to avoid. I wanted to stay as long as I want in the office. And not go home. Because I wanted to avoid a fight. Or I wanted to avoid a, another discussion. Or I wanted to avoid her. Or just to give us time. You know, if you have, probably have a friend that you offended or has offended you. You sometimes avoid that person by maybe going to another Service time. Instead of going to the 11 o'clock, you go to the 5 o'clock service. How many of you can relate with this? Look at the person beside you. Sabi sa kanya, hindi ikaw yun. Yun ang sa tabi mo yun. When we offend, sometimes we avoid. And is it possible that when we are offended with God, then we avoid God as well? But God is drawing us near. Abide in me. And I will abide in you. And then you'll ask whatever you wish. It'll be given to you. It talks about spiritual intimacy. We're called to abide in him. Colossians chapter 1 verse 17 talks about how we are being held by Jesus. He is before all things and in him all things hold together. Yes, when we abide with Jesus, we hold on to Him, but then the reality is He's holding on to us. I remember a story of a young uh, girl that was praying one time to the Lord, and her prayer goes like this. She said, Lord Jesus, bless my daddy. Bless my mommy. Bless my friends. And bless me. And please, Lord, take care of yourself. Because if something happens to you, we're in big trouble. <laughs> and that sounds cute, but that girl has a right theology there. Because she knew for a fact that Jesus holds all things. How many of you know that nothing will ever happen to God? Because we depend on Him, but yet He holds us by His love. And lastly, stay in love. Stay in the Word. Stay connected. Stay in love. Valentine's Day, so stay in love, okay? I'm not talking about romantic kind of love here. I'm talking about a sacrificial kind of love. And we see the word love. Seven times appearing in this whole chapter as well. Nine times abide, eight times for the word fruit, and seven times for the word love. Verse 9, it says, As the, the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. 
Abide in my what? In my love. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. Just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love. Verse 12, it says, This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love. And he was talking about himself at this point. Greater love has no one than this, that one or someone lay down his life for his friends. These things I command you so that you will love one another. And I believe that this is one of the final words or statements of Jesus before he went to the cross, before he was about to be arrested, because he wanted to encourage his disciples to love each other and other people as he loved them. And how many of you know that this is probably the prayer that is still remained to be answered? As you and I are one, it was prayed to the Father, may they become one as well in unity. You know, sometimes we are challenged to love another person. You know, when you pray this prayer, Lord, help me to love, sometimes God will test you and give you a situation wherein that person will offend you, then that love can actually be tested by you forgiving that person. God wants to love other people. It's a challenge for some of us, but I pray today that by the grace of God, as we abide in the Word, as we stay connected with Jesus, that God will allow us to express this love to others. Okay, we read this already. Bear fruit. Everybody say, bear fruit. More fruit. Much fruit. This is basically, you know, what Jesus wants us to have. As we abide in Him, as we stay connected to Him, and as we stay in love with Him and His love in us, that we will actually be able to experience and give that same love to others. And that is basically the fruit that he is expecting us to have. Verse 8, it says, This is, uh, but this, uh, my, by this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciple. When we bear fruit, God is glorified because the proof is in the fruit. You know, when you talk about discipleship, discipleship is not just about words, it's about fruit. The Bible says you will know them by their fruits. We will be known to be disciples of God by the fruit that we bear. And the fruit that's being referred to here, yes, it's discipleship making, but you know, if you go back to Galatians chapter 5, the fruit of the Spirit is this, love. It starts with that word again. Love, joy, peace, patience, Kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control. And you know, many times it's just hard for us to be able to walk in this unless we are attached in the vine. But with the grace of God, as we attach in the vine, the fruit of the Holy Spirit will be made manifest in us. Being a disciple of Jesus is not just about a matter of talk. It's about bearing fruit. Amen. And I'd like to quote from 
Bruce Wilkerson, he said, bearing fruit is not some unique phenomenon reserved for certain kinds of Christians. It is the destiny of every believer. God wants us to be fruitful. Amen. God expects fruit from us. How do we bear fruit? Abide. How do we bear fruit? Stay connected in the Word. How do we bear fruit? Stay connected to Jesus. Stay in love with God and with one another. As we abide in Jesus, my final thought, we are made to abound through Him. As we abide in God, we will live a bountiful, abounding life. Amen? Thanks for listening. Make sure to subscribe and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Feel free to share this message with your friends too. For more information about our church, visit our website at www.victoryalabang.church.